There's been like four noises. Oh, I wasn't paying attention because I was waiting for you to tell me it was okay. It's not okay. It's never oh God, okay. Hold on. No, you're not hitting that stop button ever again. Hi, Philip. Hi. Hi, hello. And welcome to Look Good for the Boys, a horror gossip podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Philip. Okay. Hi. Listener, if you're feeling grateful yeah. oh, for mm-hmm. this podcast, uh-huh. you can go ahead and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Or... Multiple places you get your. You podcasts. can rate and review us everywhere if you yeah. want. I'm not gonna. You can rate and review limit. me in my bedroom. No. All right. What? I, so, no, you're not hitting that stop button ever again. Here we are on Monday, November 21st, and it it's is the. A, it's a big. It's a big week. Yeah, it's a big week. Iowa's playing Nebraska on Friday. That's, that's pretty why it's big a big game. That's why it's a big week. That's why it's a big week. Also, is there anything else going on? For some of you, yeah, you may or may not be celebrating Thanksgiving. A complicated and profoundly problematic holiday. Yep. That some people love, some people hate. Some people hate love, some people love hate. It probably shouldn't exist. I kind of am indifferent about it. Yeah, same. I'm indifferent. Yeah. I like some things about it. Yeah. Dislike a lot of the other things about it. I mean, I think everybody, for the most part, can agree the food's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, whatever food you do for Thanksgiving is food you enjoy. Yeah, right. And there's so much of it that, yeah. you know, unless you're a monster, you can find something. Yeah. But, like, there's also a lot of shit that goes along with it. Mainly yeah. family. Mainly family. That's a big one. I haven't done Thanksgiving with my actual, like, family, biological family, family in a long time. Yeah, same. And I like that's the other thing I like about Thanksgiving is that it's for some of us, there's not a lot of pressure about that. So you can do your own thing. See, I just removed all the pressure by <laughs> getting a job that requires me to work holidays. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's always you get that overtime. Time and a half? Or is it double? Oh, double time. Double time? Double oh, fucking time. That's the way. Mm-hmm. It is the that's way. That's what you want. Yeah. But families are complicated. Yeah, and so we want to just acknowledge that, that (laughs) families are complicated. And as part of that, we want to do a little family therapy. Yeah. I mean, we're not licensed there. Are you licensed? I was. Okay. So you at least... not anymore. But you at least like have a... I have a background in this. Yeah. I don't have a background. I just read things on the internet. Yeah, well, that counts. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same as a, as a degree, let's be honest. Yeah, right? Someday the I'm world will I'm practically a doctor. You should call me doctor. <laughs> doctor Cell. Call me doctor. Or just doc. Nah. Hey, doc. 
I don't like that. No, okay, sorry. I don't want to be Doc. Okay, sorry, Dr. Cell. You respect the title. Okay, okay, Dr. Cell. That I earned by reading some things on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so knowing what people are facing this week, we want to give you a little boost by helping to counsel a family, and maybe you can help learn some lessons, you know, from the, the shit that this family is going through. I mean, a lot of people should be, my family definitely should be in therapy. I mean, I'd say the same about my family, but I don't want to participate in it, so I'm not going to Oh, yeah, it. no, no. I tell them. I'm like, you guys go to <laughs> yeah, therapy. Yeah. The rest of you. Leave me alone. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fine, but I'm not in the you know thick of it, yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. my fight. <laughs> exactly. Both of our way of getting out of the need for family <laughs> therapy is just like not being Not being in the, the family. family. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not in it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But for those who decide to stay in it, yeah, or I mean, who have I, no choice, I'm in it really. I guess I just, but just not in the, I, there's not in the distance. toxic way. Yeah, those of you who don't have a choice of being in the midst of your family or have chosen to be might need a little boost with some, you know, therapeutic assistance. Well, we're going to be talking to a family that makes their family look probably better. Yeah, this actually... I mean, I, mean, I don't want to make any... The boost we're giving you <laughs> is by showing you one of the worst families. I don't want to make any assumption about our <laughs> listeners' family scenarios because they range. Mm-hmm. There's a range. There is, and every family's different. But the family that we're talking about today is... Um, they got some problems. Yes. So... They need some help. A lot. Yeah. And we are talking today about the Graham family from the movie Hereditary... 2018's Hereditary. Hereditary? More like, her head is scary. Am I right? Hey! Because hey. hey. the head came off of the lady and of, it was ugly. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, there were a few heads <laughs> yeah. coming off. but there A was few one, ladies' heads. Few, yeah, wow. Mm. Is there a Bechtel test for decapitations? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but anyway. Anyway. Only one of them was like really scary. That's true. Like the head itself. Yeah. By the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, first of all, thank you for listening to this show so soon after waking up from your coma. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, it's to been the world. Hopefully, you've read some news about the last four uh, years. Otherwise, we've got a lot of bad news. For yeah. You. <laughs> first and foremost, you should pause this and watch Hereditary. Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing you should do after a coma is watch Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As your doctor, I prescribe the movie Hereditary. <laughs> now that we have self-proclaimed ourselves as doctors, we can write prescriptions yeah. for movies. Yeah. Hereditary. So before we get into family therapy with the Grams, I feel like I just want to give us a little space just to give our thoughts on the movie. Yeah, for sure. We should. So that we can leave that behind and not talk y- about it. Yeah, again. I like it. Yeah. The movie. The movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. like the movie. Yeah, it's good. Sure. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I I think it 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 does let theme get a little bit in the way of story and character at times. It lets plotting get in the way of that as well. Mm-hmm. But it pulls off some really great stuff. It thinks it's a little cl- more clever than it actually is in some points. Well, I think in general, if if there's one complaint I have about this movie, it's this: it knows the path it wants to walk mm-hmm. right from its like family drama into its supernatural terror. I think that like it kind of zigzags a little bit too much in that and it it struggles to find its footing at various points where the beats of like walking that path, it stumbles most notably towards the end when Tony Collette's character is is really losing her shit and uh, ultimately just fucking is gone. It oversteps 
a little too far on either side of the line, mm-hmm. and it doesn't know. The, I think the biggest problem with that with that ending is we lose our protagonist. We we lose two protagonists, in fact. Right. Uh, they both become like other people. Uh, yeah, not the characters. Yeah. And Peter and Annie. And it it doesn't really compensate for that. Like it's smart in that it do, it it's over quickly after that. Yes. You know, but it still is just kind of like well. We've we've been thrown from our horse entirely here, and not necessarily in like a way that's like, oh dang! It's just like, well, it's hard to be as much as I, I love a lot of the visuals of the finale of this. It's mm-hmm. hard to be horrified because there's nobody left to be horrified for. Yeah, you just suddenly your investment is like canceled. Yeah, because anybody we cared about are all gone. Yeah. But specifically, what I what I was referring to was honestly the scene between her and her husband right before that, where he dies. Yeah, that's where I feel like it it can't quite decide where on that line to walk. Agreed. That's where it loses me. Yeah, and especially because it also there's a mechanic in there. There's a thing that happens that at least on the surface breaks a rule. You can just say it. The book burning. Yeah, and how it sets him on fire instead of her. And I understand that that was a deception. But I still feel like it would be better if he did throw the book into the fire. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is, oh, she thought it burned her, but it really just burns whoever throws it into the fire. It would just make more sense that way. It'd be cleaner. And I understand the point of the movie isn't to be clean. What? I'm nitpicking because ultimately I like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. It does some masterful stuff. I think Alex Wolf is incredible in it. Yeah. I think, yeah, the visual aesthetic is great, obviously. Duh. I love Charlie. Mm-hmm. I love that Payman, the the demonic force, is just about money. Like I love that that it's that mundane. It's that banal. It's just not even like exceptional capitalism. It's just like just American capitalism. Just the idea right. of wanting more than you have. Yeah, and is and the threat. They're not uber rich. They're just comfortable. Yeah, exactly. They're not. It's like <laughs> they're not even like you know Bezos level. Right. You know, they're just like. Yeah, we got a little. We got a nice house. Mm-hmm. That's how little our. Well, that's a little ambition we have, and how little we're willing to settle for. <laughs> like when it comes to destroying our families entirely. Right. I love that. I think that's great. I also. This is another thing I like about it. It's a. It's a paranoia thriller. It's a cult paranoia movie, a la Rosemary's Baby, Allison's Birthday, mm-hmm. uh, a, a number of other things. It's. It's one of those. It's that kind of a story, but there's a fake out in it because it sets it up as like your typical haunted family or family in peril story like it's using those tropes it's using the material of that subgenre to like lead you in that direction and then boom nope it's actually rosemary's baby type shit right i do like that a lot it's telling one kind of story in another kind of story's space mm-hmm. and i love I, the head reveal is still masterful. That whole Charlie's. yeah, Charlie's yeah. head. The, the the build up to that punchline is just like it's, incredible. It is genius. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I also really love the miniature aspect of it. Yeah, I love the art. I love that it's a family. Like, yeah, of course they're fucked up. The parents are an artist and a psychiatrist. Right. Yeah, this family's gonna be a trouble. So yeah, I think. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, uh, it's good. Okay, actually, okay. Um, it's excuse good. Excuse you, it's good. No, but it's good. I will die on this hill. 
<laughs> I don't know how you couldn't think this is good. <laughs> if you don't think this is good, it's because you didn't get it. No, I'm sorry. I, that took it too far. Oh, wow. I'm it's sorry. a movie, not a character test, Philip. <laughs> I will tell you this. I'm never a fan of a literal box of exposition. <laughs> like really? the, the literal box of exposition, that's a little much for me. But whatever. It's you know what fine. I like about that, though? I like that it's something that was given to her early on and that she had access to and then, and then chose just to ignore. Completely ignored it. Well, here's the thing Annie ignores a lot of shit in this movie. Well, that probably <laughs> that leads us into yeah. it. But what we're actually here to do today is not talk about the movie itself. We are here to talk to the Graham family and help them try to work through their issues. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're giving family therapy to the Graham family. Because we're doctors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the Graham family that we're talking about that we're working with today is specifically Annie, the yeah, mother. Annie. Steve. Steven. Steven. Steve Stephen. Dr. Stephen Graham, the father. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor who never does any doctoring. Then we have Peter, the Peter, son. Peter, the son. And Charlie, Charlie the, the daughter. daughter. And Ellen, Annie's mother, more a- or less, I mean, is a presence in yes. the film, if not. A- Ellen Taper Lee. You know what? It's important to acknowledge her because even though she's dead at this point, she is a very strong presence. She's left her mark on these people. Yes. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, the movie opens with her, literally her obituary. Yes. And I really think that the obituary says a lot because it doesn't say anything. Like, right. A lot of times when obituaries have like. They're very flowery. Yeah. And they tell you more about the person. We don't know shit about Ellen. Mm -hmm. And in her eulogy, Annie even says that she was secretive. She would probably be surprised by this turnout. You know, and we also learn in Annie's eulogy that Annie has some unresolved, largely negative feelings wrapped up in her mother and her relationship with her mother. So, yes. Which, I mean, who doesn't? Right. No yeah. judging. Everybody has mommy issues. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to put this out there right away. Look, I firmly believe everybody needs individual therapy. But the only way that family therapy is going to work with this family is for Annie to get into individual therapy immediately. Immediately, yeah. A, a, a fucking sap, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to say first and foremost, before anything else, this family needs to get some chapstick. Everyone's lips are so chapped. The whole family. Their lips are just ragged. Yeah, that's their problem. They have no balm. <laughs> Somebody get some Burt's Bees to the Graham family. And oh, I th- look, I'm not going to say it's going to solve all the problems overnight. But as a doctor. You'll see, as a doctor, <laughs> I prescribe Burt's Bees. <laughs> it will make a difference. It's at your least. step one. It's ste- I mean, it's step one. Yeah, yeah. the tiny step one. Yeah. It's the prologue yeah. to the Graham family. family. What's, with those cho- what's with those chops, huh? <laughs> Let's glisten those up a little bit. Let's moisturize those kissers. <laughs> okay, but where do you really want to start with the Graham family? Besides making sure Annie gets into therapy. (laughs) And let's just say, okay, I mean, we've already said you should have seen Hereditary by now. We're giving the Graham family therapy when there's still four of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear, (laughs) they're all alive in this scenario. Uh, Yeah, because I feel like by the time Charlie dies, it's like... It's too late. No, there's no... This is the point of... This is the actual point of no return here. You are not coming back from this. No. If nothing else bad had happened to them... That family is on its way to dissolving. Yeah, the Annie yeah, and Stephen are getting a divorce. 
within two to three years. And by the time that fucking Peter gets out of the house, he is never coming back. I also want to say, I don't think you can do this before Ellen dies. I don't think you can get them into family therapy before Ellen dies because I think she's going to, she's going to make that not happen. She's going to put a stop to that somehow. Oh yeah, for sure. So you, you have this brief window between Ellen's funeral and when Charlie dies Mm -hmm. to get these people to somebody with a degree. So what is that? Like a month? Uh, something like that. I don't know. The timeline is kind of not <laughs> yeah. clear. <laughs> it's at least a month. Yeah. But I do think another problem is, and I don't know canonically how old these characters are supposed to be, uh, Annie and, and Stephen. Yeah. But the actors, Gabriel Byrne and Tony Collette, they're they like a 20 year difference. 22 year age gap. Yeah. Which that right there, <laughs> like if that's what the the difference here is supposed to be, I don't want to judge Love is love, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But like... <laughs> love is love, blah, blah, blah. I this... want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, AJ, nothing but a number. In, except in some cases, it definitely matters. And this is one of those scenarios where it's like, oh, he was a professor at her college. Like, that's I'm... the vibe I get. Okay. Coming from a household in which my dad was 20 years older than yeah. my mom. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I... I can see and understand that in a certain window. Yeah. And what I think we're honestly seeing a piece of is what happened to my mom and my dad. And as he entered into late adulthood, early, you know, senior citizen status, she was at mid adulthood and it kind of caused her to panic. Yeah. You know, because he and I think you see this in this movie. I think Gabriel Byrne's character as being older is kind of winding down and she's sort of in this... uh, almost like a midlife crisis kind of thing where, you know, she's really struggling with her art. She's struggling with motherhood, with aging children and like the loss of a parent, you know, she's at that transitional period that Gabriel Burns character already went through. Yeah. And he's also like not really present in a lot of ways throughout this movie. And I think, you know, you can, there's a lot of ways to read that, but yeah, I think one of them is, no, he's just old. He's tired. Yeah. <laughs> he's just yeah. getting, he's over it. This is probably his second marriage. He probably has other kids out there. And, and reading it like that, it makes his behavior that much more understandable yeah. because you're right. He isn't really present. And when he does, it's almost with this aura of being like, Ugh, uh, do I yeah, really I have to like, yeah, like that whole dinner scene where he's just like, all he does is just say their names like Peter, Annie, stop. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just like, we're not no, we're gonna this. we're gonna stop this right now. Yeah, yeah. Like he, it's just that, and that's most of his involvement in any of this stuff is just like like not, all right, settle down or let's talk about something else or you know he's just not here for it. No, well because I think he's tired and yeah. I think that my my favorite is when he the biggest stand he takes in this movie like to me is when he's asking Peter about his SAT prep. <laughs> And yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. Peter's like walking away from he's him. Like, and he's like, yeah, you don't, don't want to miss that. <laughs> he's like, well, he's you- like, yeah, you know what? You're going to do that because it's coming up. Yeah. And he's like shouting up the stairs at him. But it's just such a weird way. Like uh, the well, delivery is perfect on yeah, it because it really it's this is. weird stand yeah. of being like, I'm, I'm being a parent, but like, I'm actually not putting much effort into well, it. Well, and at one point he even, yeah, he's like, he's my son. He's all I've got left or whatever. And it's like, you still don't care. Rain. Like, you still are just doing this because you think you're supposed to and you don't know what else to do. Like, Stephen, like, he craves normality. He can't... Yes. Ha- and he's... I mean, in that way, he's kind of like my dad, too, where it's just like, I get, shut up, I'm trying to watch TV, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's withholding. A lot. He's distant. 
He's like, when he's supportive, it's either like indirectly or performatively. Or aggressively. Like when he's yelling at Charlie for sleeping in the treehouse. Yeah. Both these parents are not good parents. But no. He's also like, I don't know. He can't bear discomfort and he can't bear difficulty unless he gets to like use as an excuse to be like, I'm in charge, you know, or I'm. I'm the only reasonable one here. He like is addicted to being the only reasonable one in the room. The problem with Steven is that, yes, he's addicted to being the only reasonable one in the room, but he's just not strong enough well, yeah, to but, have that spread but, beyond himself. But that's why it's like stuff like this prep course, the SAT prep course, where it's like, oh, this is, this is what I know. This is yeah. comfortable. Yeah, you, you know, know what? Like, you're going to do that. You're going to do that because... If you don't do that, I have to face what else is happening in this house, and I cannot do that. He also, he should not be surprised by the corpse. It drives me crazy that he's, like, surprised that the corpse is up in the attic. After After Annie spends so much time telling him there's a corpse up there? Well, and even before that... When when he he finds out the corpse is missing? He he (laughs) knows the corpse is missing! He knows the grave has been dug up! Like, how did he not, how did he not do that math? Well, I think that's very indicative of how he, like you said, he's addicted to normality. He's addicted to being reasonable. Mm -hmm. He wants everything to just be as contained as possible. If it doesn't fit like his accepted paradigm, oh, it's just not possible. So look, honestly, he's the easiest one to talk about in the sense that like, we're going to spend most of this episode on Annie. So what he (laughs) needs is he needs to have a place in this family that is both assertive, but also understanding. That's his problem. He's not assertive and he's not understanding. Yeah. He just has this idea of what he thinks should be. He's a psycho. Wait, what? (laughs) Here's here's a a detail about Steven. Okay. Empty email inbox. That's... Empty email inbox. That's what you held on to? You can't trust a person with an empty email inbox. I've had an empty email inbox a couple times in my life. What? Are you serious? Yeah. That's terrifying to me. Really? There was one job I had where I had a ton of downtime, and I was like, I'm going to use this downtime to get this five-digit number (laughs) down to zero. And I did. All right. Well, okay. If it was like a task, it's not something you keep up with. I mean, I kept up with it for a while. Okay. So maybe we just caught him at that while. <laughs> okay. I, I also am wondering if he's retired. You think? He has an office away from the yeah, home. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's not. Forget it. He's, he's not, not retired. retired. Yeah. I just think that he doesn't know what to fucking do with his family. I don't think he knows what to do with his life. He's staring down retirement, at least. Yeah. Like, it's coming. Retirement is coming. And he doesn't really seem to have a lot to do. But he's also just like trying to avoid his family all the time or, or avoid being involved. He's just uninvested. Well, I wouldn't say he's uninvested so much as he doesn't know what to do about it. So, okay, I do believe that he loves his kids, but he is yeah. that classical father of teenage children where yeah. once they hit puberty, he's like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. And then also, I feel like he loves his wife, but I think that she's been spiraling for a while, and even he, before this and movie he's started. he's never stepped in. Yeah, well, he doesn't know how to handle her. Well, I think he's psych- afraid of her. A, he's a psychiatrist. Right. Which is, ama- <laughs> yeah. He, by the time he sends that email, he's like sending an email to a colleague that's like, I'm worried about Annie. Right, which, yeah, way sh- too late. You should have sent that email like a couple months ago, probably. 
Or have a conversation with your wife. I mean, look, that's what it comes down to is that none of these people are having conversations with each other. Right. In any kind of like open and honest and understanding way. Yeah, well... The communication is not great at the Graham house. At all. Yeah. And that obviously is going to be a piece, but I feel like we need to talk about the elephant in the room before we get down to the family communication. Payman the demon? Yes. No. (laughs) He's fine. Payman's fine. Yeah, he's just mischievous. Yeah. No, we need to talk about Annie. I mean, Annie's the problem. Uh, Yes, (laughs) very much the problem. Annie is hands down the most of the problem. And... uh, I question whether she likes any of them. Yeah, because by the time she's saying I love you and stuff and I need you mm-hmm. to her family members, well, one of them's dead. So too late for that one. Yeah. And the other two, it's like, I mean, she by that point, she's so far gone. Right. That I- you just don't know what's true. And like how, because the other thing too is it's like she makes such a big deal about it being her feelings for people, you know? It's never about their circumstances or what they're capable of or what she hopes for them. It's, I love you. And even when she's about to seemingly throw the book into the fire and sacrifice herself, she's making that sacrifice all about her. Completely. I mean, we'll get there more intensely, but she is a textbook narcissist. Yeah, she makes everything about Everything. And honestly... Her, okay, this is going to sound shitty, but her grief for Charlie does not coincide with her treatment of Charlie when she was alive. No, like, no, it's no, like she, it, no. And this is the case with the other two as well, is like she yeah. doesn't realize that she loves her family until like she's, they're being threatened to be taken well, away. Well, you don't know what you got till it's gone. They don't, pay f- don't it always seem to go? <laughs> <laughs> they pay them into paradise and put up a telephone pole. <laughs> Ouch. But her treatment of Charlie until Charlie dies is just very dismissive. Yeah. She's not interested at all in Charlie's world. No. Like she's, she's adversarial with her son, Peter, but she is controlling of Charlie. And all of her communication with Charlie, again, is about like her experience with Charlie mm-hmm. and not Charlie's experience with her. Yeah, like and I don't think she asked either of her kids a question in this whole movie. <laughs> no, I mean... I think she asked a few snarky rhetorical questions. Well, yeah. But she never asked a question like sincerely in earnest. And her daughter is an artist. Mm -hmm. Charlie is an artist. Charlie's whole thing is making art. And look, all right. We can talk about (laughs) where the art comes from and the reasons for it and what it all means because in a lot of ways this movie does sort of reduce literally every bit of mental illness to a condition of supernatural origin. Yeah. That aside. That aside. Charlie's art is important to her and it's what she's doing all the time. And some part of it has to be a mom, look, I'm doing the thing that you do. Yeah, right? Pay attention to me. This is me wanting to have something in common with you. She never treats it that way. Not once, no. At one point, she's like looking through and she's like, is this grandma? And then that's it. Like she doesn't ask her what she was feeling when she drew it or what, you know. She kind of like gives her shit for not processing emotionally right away, which is weird because I don't think she's ever processed an emotion genuinely in her life. But yeah, it's like she doesn't communicate with her daughter about art, which is the thing she's into. And it's like, 
she, that's an obvious bond right there that she just completely ignored. You're right. Her grief for Charlie is largely performative. I mean, I do feel that she feels grief for that, but I yeah. feel like it's 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 more about her exactly. than it is about her about Charlie. Well, this is the other thing. She's haunted by loss and grief in her life. Her dad died. Her brother died. Her brother died. And then her mom died. Her mom died. Like she's had death be a big part and and loss in other ways. The her mother's you know uh, disassociative identity disorder mm-hmm. is part of that. Like so, yes, Annie comes from a lot of shit, like a lot of shit. And she clearly never had a role model, an adult that could help her sort through these feelings and what they mean. So, you know, she developed this like really unhealthy way of making it about her. Right. And I also think it's very telling that, you know, even the act of going to this grief support group, she lies to her husband saying she's going to a movie, even though he would fully support her He's doing He's a psychiatrist, that. yeah. It's weird that she's lying to him about it. And I think that says a lot about her approach to any kind of work on herself, that she just has no capacity to even think that that's an okay thing to do. Yeah, but that's also part... Like, she is her mother in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? are we all, I mean, Andy? My mom's her mom, you know? Like, <laughs> my mom's her mom. I'm my mom. I'm my own grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, her. You know, I don't want to get into my mom and her mom's shit, but there's a lot of that in this movie. <laughs> right. And just like, and her like refusal to acknowledge, like, hey, it's okay, Annie, your mom fucked you up mm-hmm. pretty profoundly. It's okay to feel fucked up about that, but you gotta like you gotta be honest about it. And she has that whole monologue to her son about nobody wants to be accountable. And it's like I mean, she's you, obviously talking. To she's her. talking about herself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what that's text. That's that's there. Yeah. But it's funny because she's unaccountable, but she's centering her needs all the time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when she says to him. I worried, I slaved, I defend you. And it's like, you've literally never done any of those things at at all. Not even once. Well, and honestly, the way that she's acting at that dinner, and again, I know this is post loss of Charlie. Yeah. But she's acting like a sulky teenager. Yeah. Oh, most of her behavior in this movie is sulky teen. Even when she's in the group, when she's talking about her group, her posture is very much like, I don't want to be here, but okay, it's whatever. Yeah, it's weird, because then, it, too, in the second half of the movie or so, last quarter, maybe, last third, when she discovers the supernatural stuff, she's suddenly Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, <laughs> right. and it's like, oh, her partner's looking at her differently because she's weird and into this weird thing and is excited about it, and but it still has this, like, manic energy to it. it. I mean, it's incredibly yeah. manic the one thing i will give her credit for is that she does acknowledge in those conversations at the end there she acknowledges why she would understand that steven wouldn't believe her that her behavior up to that point would leave lead him to be incredibly yeah. skeptical like she mm-hmm. does continually acknowledge that yeah which is why the performance kind of loses me a little too because it's like wouldn't she kind of maybe realize like okay i have to take it back and take it back a notch yeah. because that's what you know what? There's lots of different experiences out there. There's lots of different anecdotes. Everybody's seen different things. But like in the times I've seen people in that kind of a state, 
they usually like that's why it gets kind of scary sometimes is because they get very lucid and very serious and very focused Mm -hmm. and she just kind of seems (laughs) the whole time but hey things are different i don't want to you know i don't know i I haven't seen everybody's thing you know (laughs) that's true so Uh, okay but also when she tells that story to joni about talk about yeah the sleepwalking story because wow she's talk about acting like a sulky teenager she talks about snapping out of a sleepwalking spell having soaked both of her children and herself and herself in paint thinner holding a box of matches and having lit (laughs) having lit one and that woke him up and he made a big deal about it like she says there's nothing i can like she talks about she says peter holds it against her yes and then she says by the way she does this while she's trauma dumping on Joni. yep Joni did not ask for this. No. And she's immediately just like, well, here's this whole thing I've never told anybody else. I mean, but that's also what she does in group therapy. You yeah. know, when oh they ask her God. to introduce yeah. herself, she totally trauma. She tells dumps. her whole life story. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like basically like, oh, you guys think you have it bad. Here's my deal. But she says, there's nothing I can say and nothing I can do because it happened. And the way she says it, it's like, that's what you say when you forget to pick him up from school or when... You throw away a, a photograph or something that's important to him, or some of his VHS. Right. Mom. That's <laughs> what so you say when you do that. Not when you're about to set him and yourself and his sister on fire. Well, but I also want to point out that, like, and, and I honestly, I love this scene for this reason. Her delivery up even before that kind of has that attitude where she was like, what did she say? When she struck the match, it woke her up, and she was like, I, mean, I, I put, put it, it out, out immediately. immediately. Of course, because like, of course, of course I, I put it out. Like it's almost like she's insulting them for having a reaction to yeah. it. Well, yeah, and then she follows it up with something like, "Well, I mean, it was because I was sleepwalking. Of course, it was because I was sleepwalking." Yeah, it's like she's mad at them. Yeah, for being for being like horrified. By yeah, it. it's just like no, that's not. This isn't accountability. That's not what that looks like. Well, I mean, that's a big problem of her. She has yeah. zero accountability. Even down to her communication with the gallery that she has a show coming up at. Yeah. She has no accountability. She refuses to answer their calls yeah. or their emails. Yeah. You know, and Not when- even to say, like, sorry, I can't deal with this right now because of, you know, some pretty big things are going down. Right. I was going to say, at the heart of this movie, there is this critique of the American need to ignore big things to center what we think of as responsibilities or like things we have to do. Like Peter going to school. It's like, why are you going? Why yeah. the fuck is he, he going has to school? no business there. Why is she supposed to, why is Steven going to work? Like they're all just ignoring this horrifying thing that's growing in the heart of their family. Right. Because they're, oh, they have to go to school or I've got this work that's due. Like, no. Well, and not talking to each other at all about <laughs> their various About experiences. any of it, yeah. But also... As far as uh, Annie's accountability goes, when she's making that fucking miniature of the accident. Oh, my God. It's not about him. It's a neutral. It's a neutral vantage point. (laughs) Of the accident. Jesus Christ. She's, I mean, look, this is a moment where Stephen probably shouldn't have said it the way he said it. Right. Because that's the other problem is that this family is full of people who are always like, holy shit. It's, I mean, in several ways, it's my family, (laughs) but it's full of people who are just like defensive in advance Mm -hmm. of everything. Yes. And so no one ever stops it and just says, okay, let's 
cleanse our palates a little here. Uh, I'm going to be the first person to just say, fuck me. I guess you're right. I, I'm not great. Right. Now let's maybe try and talk about what we can do to work on this. But it's just everybody just is set off by everything. And no one ever just walks into a room with a concern that's just like, except Peter. Peter wants to resolve this. Like, he's more mature than either of his parents are. Oh, that's for sure. Like, he's tr- He's like, no, let's talk about it. We should talk about it. But because he said it with a little bit of a tone at first, Annie's not going to let it go. Well, I don't think she would have let it go either way. Well, no, because she's... Annie, in a lot of ways, never had a fucking chance. No. <laughs> I mean, but it's Steve... Yeah, Stephen, if he walks in there and sees her doing that art and says anything other than Jesus Christ, which is... A le- legitimate reaction. It's yes. understandable. I mean, that's his daughter. Yeah. But say that internally. <laughs> and then what you say out loud is, honey, are you okay? <laughs> do you want to talk about this? I mean, like, not once does any member of this family actually do that. No. And that's a big problem. Yeah. That's a foundational element of this family therapy is that they all need to be more focused on the question, honey, are you okay? <laughs> honey, are you okay? Yeah. I still love that when he was like, what if he sees that? And she goes, who? <laughs> and he could have just said, I don't know, the only other living person in this house now. Yeah, right? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Annie. I mean, it's clear she was kind of fucked to begin with. So, heading into this family therapy, do you think that she has a chance? I don't know. I don't know if their marriage has a chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. either. I don't know if anyone has a chance. I mean, that's the... Obviously, with payment involved, no one has a chance. Well, yeah. That, this was set up from the beginning. Well, I don't know. I mean, if Charlie had survived, payment was already inside Charlie, so maybe the others did have a chance. Yeah, true. If any of them have a chance... It comes down to Charlie. She has to live for them to have a chance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because also she's the best member of the family. That's saying a lot. (laughs) I mean, look, the people I relate to most in this movie are Charlie and Peter. Oh, yeah. I was a Charlie that became a Peter. I was a Peter that had a lot of Charlie friends. (laughs) Yeah. You you collected Charlies. I collected Charlies. Myself included. (laughs) So we should talk about Charlie. Okay. She has generalized anxiety disorder, at least. Among other things. She probably has ADHD. Yeah, I think that's a f- those are all fair diagnoses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying the ADHD thing because I have ADHD. I also have anxiety. Uh, yeah, and I honestly, I, I mean this with all love and respect, that like I feel like I can see a lot of you and Charlie, with the exception of being like, you're a lot more extroverted than she is. Yeah, but I didn't used to be. Okay. Because here's the deal. Charlie's antisocial. Yes. Peter wants to be social. Mm-hmm. He also craves normality. Like, yes. he wants things to be okay. He doesn't want to be seen as weird. Charlie doesn't give a shit. No, she doesn't want to be at that party. she's so in her own world. Yeah, she just wants to make her art. Yeah. <laughs> and her, look, I love her art. It's great, yeah. I really love her. I think she's a better artist than her mom. I, I mean, that's a bold statement. I mean, Don't obviously tell not that. technically as skilled, <laughs> but, like, I'd rather have Charlie's art okay. than... I respect that. Those miniatures that Annie makes. Don't get me wrong. They're great miniatures. They are great miniatures. They're, I mean, those miniatures are her therapy. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Charlie's art is like, it is, you know, an interest that she shares with her mother, but her art is different. One, she's working with a kind of a different medium. It's still sculpture, but it's like she's doing abstract 
work. Well, and f- and she's doing like found object. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She also draws. Mm-hmm. I like her drawings. Charlie feels unsafe. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> she can't sleep in her own bedroom. She has to sleep in a treehouse. She's anxious. She's an anxious person. Yeah. She stress eats candy. Me too. Mm-hmm. She can't take care of herself and she knows it. Yeah. That whole thing where she's asking who will take care of me. And Annie does a very <laughs> shit job of she's answering that question. She's not a good mom. No, she's not. What does she say when... Your dad. Well, your dad, of course. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like... Or Peter. Or Peter. And it's yeah. just like... That's not the question she's asking you right no, now. No, it's not. You answered the wrong question. That's the thing. She feels unsafe. She has no self-confidence. In a lot of ways, Annie especially, but even Stephen to an extent, are putting the the onus for those things on Peter. Yeah. They really are <laughs> like, oh, you're the babysitter. Yeah. Well, no, not just the babysitter, but it's almost one of those things like, you know, oh, you're the senior and she's a freshman. You know, you got to hold her hand yeah. through this experience. They're really just like trying to force Peter to like fix Charlie. I mean, I wonder if too, if part of that is that they see this lack of direction in Peter, this lack of responsibility in him, because he's not a very, you know, he will get to Peter. Mm-hmm. But on the face of it, he is like, yeah, you're a slacker teenager who just doesn't want to do anything and can't take care of anything. Right. But they have also kind of made him that way. Well, it's escapism yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, he's also like clinically depressed. For sure. But they're, yeah, they're exactly, they're putting the, the burden on him, which is interesting too when you consider that Charlie, what does Annie say that her mom took Charlie from her, basically? Like, honestly, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it felt more like she was saying, I let my mom have Charlie. Yeah. Because yeah. she protected Peter from her mom so yeah. much. That when Charlie came along, she was like, I just let her have her. Yeah. Which is, yikes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yikes. And she's shitty to Charlie. Well, part of me thinks that that's because she sees her mom in Charlie. Yeah. And can't, I mean, I think her her miniatures just show that she can't divorce Charlie from her mom's, as she even says, digging her claws into Charlie. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's so much, too, about Charlie that's like, wrapped up in the supernatural stuff and then the like the payment stuff mm-hmm. where it's like is there a gender dysphoria at work here yeah possibly you know i mean she says she wanted me to be a boy <laughs> it's almost like angela and sleepaway camp where it's like a forced gender dysphoria mm. it would seem right but the problem here isn't that. The problem no, is that the their pro- parents provide zero support yeah they yeah exactly they're never there for her they're never there. I mean, Peter feels like he can't talk to his parents, and he's right. Yeah. Well, Charlie just isn't invested in the idea. Well, I mean, and the little that she does try to talk to her parents, she does not get any positive no. or supportive response. No, this thing about the EpiPen, it's like, you guys are not on top of this? Oh, my God. They are How is so this a irresponsible with the EpiPen. How is this a conversation we're still having? And then when she goes out barefoot, and it's like, well, you yelled at her to take her shoes off when she got in the house, and now you're mad at her for walking outside without her shoes on. You're sending her mixed messages. Yelling at her is clearly not helping. Right. If anything, it's confusing things more. It's like they don't even notice anything that's going on with Charlie. No. At all. Or honestly, each other. Any of them. Yeah. Which one of them ever stops to notice the other? 
Maybe to an extent, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen notices some things. Yeah, but he on, just doesn't intervene. He just doesn't a lot. do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Gosh, we're really painting a picture of a family that needs to just be apart. Yeah, maybe they all just <laughs> need to move to a different state. Look, and let's just acknowledge that, like, you can separate yourself from your family. I mean, as an adult, yeah. I know that there are situations where that's yeah. harder, but like. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, what I was going to say was they need to keep Charlie alive and they need to like focus on Charlie for a minute to like understand what her needs are. And then all of them as a group of three prioritize those needs for her and then go from there to see how that works and then go from there. But honestly, I think you have to just go back in time and make sure Ellen never becomes reconnected with Annie. Yeah. I think I think staying away from Ellen was probably the best decision Annie ever made and they needed to probably keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I I really am curious what caused her to cave on that cuz she even said that Stephen supported her and wanted Ellen to not be a yeah. part of their lives. Yeah. So what happened? Maybe Stephen's non-involvement is like a John Cassavetes and Rosemary's Baby thing where it's like he's in on it. Oh, that could be. You know? Maybe that was the thing, was that Ellen was like, hey, Steven, you want some money? I got a demon. We're going to put a demon in your daughter, and you'll get some money. You'll get a nice house. Maybe that's why he's got no emails in his inbox. Because he made a deal with the demon? Yeah. That's what the demon did for him? That's his wealth, is emptying his inbox? Yeah, well, and he gets money. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have to do any psychiatry. Oh, you're saying that he's not actually working. No, he's not working. He just oh, has an office somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I like this idea. Yeah, yeah. right? I never thought about that, that he could possibly why he be never. One. Maybe that's why he didn't throw the book in. Yeah, because he... Because he fucking knew. Ooh, I never really thought about this. Yeah, but... right? Fan theories. And that's why his... Like, he never really tries very hard to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know? He just wants to put up the illusion that he's the yeah. father, but really he's just there for the money. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm on board with this theory. Yeah. Okay. So then you got to get rid of Steven. No. We're, <laughs> we're, we're counseling this family as a whole. I got a question about Charlie. Okay. So she's always sitting in the back seat of the car. Did she choose to do that? Is that like hmm. part of her feeling unsafe is that she has to sit in the back seat of the car? It's just a thing I wonder. Because even when they're driving to the party, she's in the back seat. Or is it one of those things? Because I, I really get this strong sense from her parents that they're like, they're overprotective of her, but in this aggressive, unempathetic way. Yeah. And I wonder if a piece of that is like them always making her do things yeah. that are safer, but without giving her any choice in the matter. Could be, because she also doesn't seem to exhibit a lot of pushback. Right. You know, when they tell her to do something, she's kind of like, all right. Like, what does she say when Steven yells at her for sleeping in the treehouse? She says, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. What a weird thing to say. Right? I think that that's says okay. a lot. Yeah. You know? I love her. I love Charlie. I love her sweatshirts. No, right? <laughs> She's great. Yeah, Charlie's the best. She's the only one in this family I like, which is why it really fucking hurts when she dies. Right. Mm. Poor Charlie. Doing her art at the party. Because what else was she going to do? Yeah. She didn't want to be the there. The chocolate cake that fucking... she didn't know to check for nuts because she can't take care of herself. Right. I mean, that again also says a lot that not only does the family never remember to bring EpiPens, but they don't trust her and she doesn't have the capacity to check for her own allergies at the age of 13. They ask her if the candy bar she's eating has nuts in it after she's like taken three bites. It's like, you can't, what is going on here? So the fact that they don't trust her 
shows that they never bothered to teach her. Yeah, so she can't trust herself. Yeah. So all of that duty falls to Peter, who... Who's busy. I mean, he's a teenage boy. And I, I mean, again, yes, there are some problems with his choices. But at the same time, he didn't want her there. Yeah. He was just trying to do his own thing. He literally went to go hit on this girl. You know, he wasn't even drinking. He obeyed his mom's request. Yeah, I mean, he's, she she didn't ask him about weed. Yeah, so, she didn't. That's yeah, on her. That's on her. That girl that he's into, she sucks. She sucks. She's so weird. She stares at him. When, I mean, he's staring at her. A lot. But like, she stares at him because he's just like not paying attention in class. She's like, looks at him all weird. Mm-hmm. And then she says the fucking thing about her, his sister. What did we, she say? She drew a picture of me. She made me look R-worded. Oh, yeah. She does use the R-word. But <laughs> she's, whatever. She's just, she's a non-entity almost. Although she does look at him real weird later on. Yeah. When he's like possessed. Yeah. Before he freaks out. But yeah. Like, She's kind of like, I don't know. She's just very dismissive. She's just kind of a shitty person. And it's like, oh, Peter. And the only reason he got in with her was because he had weed. Yeah, yeah. uh, That's the other thing about Peter. I love this this detail. Mm. Is that like, he's desperate for approval. Yeah. He's never going to get it at home. So he's like, I need approval from my peers. So he's like socialized in this way that's like, he's clearly incredibly easy to be around. He suppresses whatever awkwardness he has. Or it comes out like in charming ways. But yeah, he knows. He's like, uh, I got this really good weed. Boom, you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's no dummy, right. you know? And I love that. This is honestly, I, I relate to him more than any character in this movie. I relate to him a lot. Yeah. This is, I mean, he's who I was in high school. Yeah. It's just instead of weed, I had a really great place to party where my dad would go to bed early. So that's how I got friends. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. He's contrasted with charlie in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. in that he has no discernible interests other than having friends being social he plays the guitar at one point and he's got like keyboard in his room but like he doesn't have art his room is bare and i think that's intentional i don't think peter knows who the fuck he is because i don't think he has the space in his household to know who the fuck he is exactly he he has no there's no room in that family for him to have any kind of an identity well because he reminds me a lot of me in the sense that like he was sandwiched. He acts like a middle child, except mm-hmm. he doesn't have an older sibling. His older sibling is his mom. So he's sandwiched between this unstable mother and this little sister who that has a lot of a issues. a lot more attention. Yeah. So he doesn't have he the capacity to, because to, he's too busy trying to worry about the both of them. Yeah. And a dad that's just like there to be like, all right, son, you know. Yeah. You know what? You're going to do that. You're going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, hey, get up. It's time for the funeral. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's not. Oh, Steven. Oh, God. He, poor Peter. He is so depressed. Oh, he's so depressed. There's that scene where he's, when he's looking through this like sepia colored uh, stained glass window, and we have his POV in a shot that's just like this, like, va- it's like at the, the wake or whatever after the funeral at the house. Oh, and it's like yeah, this, like, yeah. almost like washed out, like, yellow color but like vague shapes through the stained glass window and it's like oh man yeah that's what depression feels like mm-hmm. when you got to think what he's just been through you yeah. know and i recognize the weirdness of saying that because his grandma just died and it was probably like primarily annie was the caretaker but like oh he- honestly it was probably the most emotionally traumatic on him because there's no way that annie showed up for charlie in any way and Stephen was probably, during that whole time that Ellen was dying, 
Stephen was probably way too wrapped up in Annie and trying to be a buffer. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine knowing what we know about Ellen, that the end was easy for anybody. And I think that Peter was probably at the bottom of that pile. Stephen even asks him, are you sad after the funeral? Mm-hmm. And Peter's reaction is, you know, like, not really, basically. Like he, he non-verbally says, not really. And his dad mm-hmm. says, I get it. Yeah. Like, it was probably we're, very we're all, hard. We're all probably relieved now. Except Annie. Well, I mean, she actually <laughs> yeah. is relieved. Yeah. But Peter also has a lot in common with his mother. Oh, yeah. Like, they both cry often. Charlie's, by the way, I think the only character in this family that doesn't cry ever. I think even Stephen has like a little moment of like a suppressed crying. But Peter cries a lot. Peter is very emotionally needy. To be fair to him, he's in desperate situations and it's very scary. But he also like his mother gets him to react emotionally, when, especially when they're doing the seance stuff. And he also cannot bear discomfort like his father. Mm-hmm. Like he clearly just doesn't want to sit in any uncomfortable truths. But unlike both of them, he's eager for resolution. He's like, let's talk about it. Let's fix it. Like, I don't like this. This sucks. I want to fix it. But yeah, there's no space for them to fix anything. Right. Like, they just, they they can't make that room. Well, I don't think there's room in that household for anybody but Annie. Yeah. Well, because also the ghost of Annie's brother and Annie's dad and Annie's mom now mm. and Annie's daughter eventually (laughs) all those ghosts are taking up all that room in there right gets hard to breathe so peter's just self-medicating with cannabis which of all the things hey sure yeah same bro literally same now i'm in my (laughs) 40s same oh man i i honestly don't know if this family can be okay with annie in the picture yeah i don't know i mean she needs i don't want to say that i think she needs to go to like a facility for a while. For a little bit. Yeah. And then come back. You know, I mean, that's if this weren't all just the, a demon. The, a demon. <laughs> Here's what I would say about Annie is that I think that she needs to demonstrate the capacity for change before this, the rest of the family has any chance to coexist with her. Yeah. And if she can't do that, then the three of them need to go have a happy life together yeah. because they are all underneath her. And if she does demonstrate the capacity for change then with very intensive therapy first with her and then with the family it is possible but she is such a fucking mess i can't think of an instance in this movie where she shows that she could be a healthy family member well i mean that goes back to her trauma you know yeah, absolutely cursed people curse people philip right i mean <laughs> Look, this movie is called Hereditary. <laughs> no, it's called Her Head is Scary. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I say, you know what? Honestly, my professional advice as a doctor is get rid of Annie and Charlie, Peter, and Steven will be fine. Yeah, I mean, I, it's weird. It's tough because I don't want to get rid of her because, again, I think that it's if we get if we just get rid of her, we are allowing the rest of them to still not have to face an uncomfortable thing. Okay. Well, let me rephrase, get rid of her. And then the other three can do legitimate functional therapy. Yeah. You know, I don't think that the three of them can do good family therapy with while Annie. she's in the house. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I don't think she has to be gone for good. She can just come back at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Can you imagine? Honestly, maybe she needs to get out of her marriage with a guy who's 22 years older than her. 
that she doesn't really like. No, maybe she just needs to have an affair. Maybe wow. Annie needs to get her groove back. <laughs> I mean, that's not really what happens in that movie. No, <laughs> not no. an affair. Maybe she, they, maybe maybe they need to get a divorce, a, a separation. Yeah. Or open up. Maybe they need to become swingers. Maybe they need a Christian Slater. Yeah. You Maybe know we what? give them a Christian Slater. Yes. That is what this means, is a Christian Slater. <laughs> we solved it. We're taking Christian Slater away from Louis and Lestat and yep. giving him to... Temporarily. Annie and Stephen. Yeah. I mean, they just need a Christian Slater for like a couple months. Yeah, a couple months yeah. of Christian Slater. That'll set you right. <laughs> it always will. <laughs> Every situation can be improved by a couple of months of Christian Slater. Honestly, though, can you imagine going and paying a family therapist and their solution is, well, you just need to get rid of one of you. I mean, <laughs> I feel like if one of them said, I almost set both of my children on fire. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that's got to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she was sleepwalking. I mean, obviously it was yeah. the sleepwalking. Get over it, Peter. You but they never cry, will baby. because it happened. Ugh, it happened. I'm sorry. God. She really is just like a sulky teenager the whole movie. It's, she really is. I mean, until she turns into Richard Dreyfus from Close Encounters <laughs> and then saws her own fucking head off. Yeah. From a levitated height. Yeah. She's Man. up there. <laughs> what did she saw her head off with? Piano wire. Piano wire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else are you going to saw your head off with? If you're know. doing it to Guitar yourself? Guitar string? I mean... Floss. Floss. That would take a while. I'd rather just have the piano wire. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, I think we solved the Graham family's problem. (laughs) I don't know that we did, but sure. (laughs) They got a lot of problems. Yeah. It's funny watching this movie and being like, oh, yeah, I recognize a lot of this. But also, man, thank God we don't have a greed demon. Yeah, right? Maybe we should have a greed demon. I don't know. It's hard to say whether that made that family. Maybe you just or take worse. the greed demon out. Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> you get rid of payment, are they still a problem? Because here's the thing if your matriarch is making deals with greed demons, there's something else wrong there already. Right. You know? So you remove the greed demon, there's still probably You still be got an Ellen. Issue. Yeah. And Ellen was going to that greed demon for a reason. Here's a question. What was her reason? Was it is it just the simple greed? She just wants the money? Or did she find community in that group? Well, yeah, I mean, and I because wonder... because greed is the community value. I mean, you look at that photo album, and she's, you know, been with these people for a long time. Yeah. They're like family. Yeah. Yeah. I expel you from school? That's what I want him to say <laughs> yeah, there. Right. I cool. expel you. Oh, Thanks. I'm going to go home. Yeah. I don't have to stay I didn't in school anymore. Be here. I probably shouldn't be here anyway with all the shit that's going on in my family. After, you know, my sister just died from my actions. I could be considered in crisis at this moment. Yeah, right? But I'm in history for some reason. Yeah, and, and nobody my, seems to care. I do love that the teacher's talking about the Great Depression at one point. <laughs> and it's like, ah, on the nose, depression. Mm-hmm. Peter's in bed a lot. Yeah, because he is not he's okay. Depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I've been there, Peter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never been possessed by the spirit of my sister, who is also a greed demon. But. but Okay, well, I think... We fixed them. Yeah. The Grams are going to be okay. We did it. We did it. We're fine. <laughs> Everything's good. Everything's going to be okay. So, any final thoughts? Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Mom, if you're listening, I'm not sorry. <laughs> hey, so, 
little business to wrap up with. Oh, golly. It is, you know, it is Thanksgiving week, even though we may not love it or do a lot for Colonizer's it. holiday. The colonizer's holiday. We are still going to be taking next Monday off. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we will be back in December. Oh, wow. Oh, December already? Already December. Yeah, isn't that oh, wild? Golly. December to dismember. December to dismember. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been used before, I'm sure. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> what are we, we don't even know what we're going to do. Shh, don't tell them that. Oh, yeah. We know what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, we have a whole plan. It's a surprise. Yep. Because it's a present. Yeah. And you don't get to know what it is. Because it's the holidays, and we're going to gift you things. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll we'll be back in December. And until then, don't you swear at me, you little shit. I am your mother. <laughs> I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. <laughs> any girl, you are the stress yeah, on your right? family. <laughs> There's an easy way to do that, sweetie, and it's by leaving. <laughs> I'm not even really sure if they could give me that support. <laughs> Make it about you again. Ugh, Annie. All what right. a martyr. <laughs> Who bakes at a party? What teens bake yeah, at a party? Right? Yeah, they're like, also, by the way, she's literally chopping nuts in front of both of <laughs> they them. They see her doing it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Nobody admits anything they've done. Bye. Good luck. TTFN. <laughs>